welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Good morning, my friends. How's everybody doing? Nice to see you all. Nice to see you. Look wonderful today. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. Some days, true, uh, true confessions of a pastor. Some days, I know. I'm, I'm guessing that there are days when you wake up and you're like, "Well, we should probably go to church today." And I, and there are days when I wake up and I'm like, "Well, I should probably preach a sermon today." But today isn't one of those days. Like, I really am glad to be here. I'm really glad to be here. So it's great. It's just really great. So uh, just a couple of things before we jump into Hebrews that I wanted to let you know of. Uh, the first hour, if uh, unfortunately you missed them, but there was a whole crew of people uh, from Menominee, Wisconsin, Cedarbrook Covenant Church, got wind of our project and our transition to the new home of Awaken, and they sent a crew of like 15, 18 people to come and help us this weekend. They worked from 9 to 9 on Friday and Saturday. So just killed it over there. Here's a few pictures of some things that are getting done at St. Uh, at St. James, the new home of Awaken. So that's a, the backside of a of an art gallery and the front side of a sound booth right there. Um, we've got. Uh, um, <clears throat> let me go to that next one, Mike. Uh, oh yeah, this is up in the the choir loft up there. We built a little like little crow's nest. We're not really sure what's going to happen up there, but whatever it is, it's going to be sweet. I mean, it's just a sweet <laughs> space. It's just, you're looking out over the whole thing. That's a panoramic shot, so the floor is actually flat. It's, it's, it's not. And this is a new welcome bar, we call it. We're calling it the welcome bar. You know, it's just like when you come in, and cool story about this, the top of this little welcome bar, uh, well, it's, it's pallets, so I, I salvaged a bunch of pallets and ripped them apart. And then the top of it are two, like, two-by-ten beams that we found in the basement, like, in the bowels of this building that had seen, I mean, these things have to have been there for 20, 30, 40, 50. I mean, they're just beat to, they're just torn apart nearly. We salvaged them, put them together. So think of it this way. Those boards have seen, like, the last 40 years of ministry at St. James. And now every time somebody walks into this building new, they will be seeing a little bit of what was and a little bit of what will be. Pretty cool, pretty cool. So uh, here's a picture of this fine bunch of people, some help. And there were people who came early and didn't make it to the picture, but there was a large crew there uh, yesterday. So they left, but a huge thank you to the people uh, at Menominee. If you're ever in Menominee, I don't know why you'd be there, but if you're ever there, stop by Cedarbrook and say thank you. Uh, good people. Uh, also, many of you have been praying for my brother Josh. Uh, I shared a couple weeks ago about he had brain surgery and uh, has been in recovery. And I just wanted to update you. I got a text from my sister-in-law this morning that said, uh, good news, uh, Josh was able to walk on his own with a cane today. So thank you so much. Yeah, praise the Lord. Uh, thank you so much for praying for him. Um, it's, uh, he's not out of the woods, and there's a lot, of, a lot of work to be done. He has four therapy sessions a day, so... Uh, all day, every day. I called him yesterday, and I was like, so it's Saturday, man. You got a day off? He's like, no, dude. <laughs> I'm trying to walk again. And uh, so I was like, yeah, good call. That was a dumb thing to say, Micah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just trying, <laughs> just trying. Um, so thank you for that. Uh, and then I'll just share one, one story before we jump in. Uh, a lot of times I share stories about my children, and sometimes I don't paint them in the greatest of light, but today I want to just like paint a beautiful picture because it was one of those moments as, as a parent where you're just like, oh my gosh, like warm you right up. 
So my oldest daughter, her name is Hadley, and she is a voracious reader. She's been reading before she went to kindergarten, she was reading, and nonstop, anything she can get her hands on, she reads. Uh, you know the, the stories or the movies where you see the kid like under the sheet with the flashlight? This is not a joke. We have found her in this way, in a closet, under a shelf with a light reading. So she sets this great example for her little sisters, and Lyndon, the youngest one, she's six, and she wants to be like her big sister. And so she says to my, my wife, Laura, the other day, you know, Mom, I think I want to read a chapter book. Six, right? Laura's like, okay, All right, well, let's go to the library. We'll get you a chapter book. So sure enough, they go to the library, they get a chapter book, and Lyndon's just all keyed. She's excited about this. They were going somewhere the other day, and Lyndon's like, you know, Mom, I think I should pack my chapter book so I can read while I'm, you know, while we're out. Okay, okay. And like one word at a time, right? So she dog ears all the pages so she knows where she stopped. Every page <laughs> has been dog eared in this book, you know, because it's just one word. And the other night she's up there in her bed, you know, just reading along. Hadley's over in one side, Lyndon in the other. And so <laughs> the other day they're in the car. Uh, driving along, and Lyndon is known for her exclamatory moments, where she just, she puts a finger up in the air, and she just, like, says it out, Uh, so they're driving along, and all of a sudden, from the back, we hear, I'm on chapter two! (laughs) It's like, yes! I'm on chapter two. So, um, I want to, we're going to read from Hebrews chapter three, And uh, I want to invite you to stand, and we'll hear God's word, and then we'll jump in here. We're on chapter 3, verse 12, the word of the Lord. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. Pray with me. God, as we breathe deep and take in uh, that breath which was a gift from you, uh, we come here this morning and we recognize that uh, we need you. from all different places and all different situations, from joy and from heartbreak, uh, from places of beauty and places of pain and difficulty, uh, we recognize and we say out loud together, which we can't do during the week, but today we can, that we need you. And so, God, I ask, um, as the preacher this morning, as the teacher, that that the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, would be pleasing to you, that they would build up this community uh, to love and serve the world that you've put us in. And all God's people said, amen. You can have a seat. So if you're new uh, this morning, welcome to you. We are in a series on the book of Hebrews, and we have been walking through it, not verse by verse, but kind of section by section, thought by thought. And we've just recently come from a section at the beginning of chapter three, where the author of Hebrews um, exhorts, he admonishes, he encourages uh, uh, strongly the, the recipients of this letter, not to have hard hearts or not to allow their hearts to become hardened. And he uses the example of the story of the Exodus, where the people of God have been brought out of Egypt by Moses and through the Red Sea. 
And then he quotes from Psalm, I think it was 91, where the psalmist talks about the great rebellion in the desert, where the people of God begin to rebel. And essentially what happens is they, they, they cease to be able to see and hear and sense God's voice and movement and spirit among them, and their hearts become hard. And if you know the story of the Exodus, there's a whole generation of people that die in the desert because of their, unab- their inability to hear and see and respond to God's invitation and God's movement in their lives. And so the author of Hebrews is saying, don't be like these people who you know, your forefathers and mothers, whose hearts were hard in the desert, but rather cultivate a soft heart or uh, an ability to hear and sense and respond to God's voice. And so this morning, I want to, and he goes on in this next section, which we just read, and says, daily, while it's still today, encourage one another so that your hearts don't become hard, so that the deceitfulness of sin doesn't harden your hearts. And as we hang on to and hold to firmly our conviction about Jesus, we share in what Jesus is and does and brings. So there's this sense of daily, while it's still called today, which is to say, not a moment to lose, be encouragers. And of course, to encourage is just to act or speak in such a way that it lifts someone up, right? To encourage, to give them courage, to lift them up. So when we speak, we use our words in such a way, or our lives, we live in such a way that we lift someone else up instead of bring someone else down, we become encouragers, And so the author says, while it's today, encourage one another so that your hearts do not become hard. So the author is essentially saying, if you want to be a person whose heart remains soft, use your words carefully and wisely and choose them intentionally. Be an encourager of other people. So I want to offer just a couple of thoughts on this idea of encouragement and using our words intentionally and with care and precisely. Because we've all been in that situation, and we've probably all been that situation where we said something carelessly or recklessly, and it brought harm or hurt to someone else, maybe someone that we love, maybe someone that we didn't love, that we wanted to bring harm to. And I want to just kind of hover over this idea of what does it mean to be people who are encouragers, who come under others and lift them up, Because this is the move of the gospel. This is the move of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is never power over and authority from above. It is always and every time a move from under and up. This is Jesus. This is the life of the crucified and risen Christ. It's always power under. This is the kingdom. So if we want to be people who follow Jesus and who are people of the kingdom then what does it mean to learn how to be people who come under and lift others up, be encouragers? So that's what I want to do this morning. I want to offer just a couple of thoughts. The first would be this. Um, Our words create worlds. Many of you know I've talked about this rabbi that I've gotten to study with and Laura and I have spent time with. And the rabbis, the the rabbis of old would say that words create worlds. And if you think about the story of God in the scriptures, it makes perfect sense. If you go back to Genesis and the poem of creation in Genesis 1, the world that we live in is created by the words of God. And God said, 
let there be light. And God said, let there be trees. And God said, let's separate the light from the darkness. And God said, may there be a multitude of fish and teeming in the waters. And God said. So the words of God create worlds. Your words, my words, have the power of life and death. If we went around the room this morning and I were to ask you to share of a moment where someone's words gave you life, I bet you we could fill the space. And similarly, if we went around the room and said, share stories of a time when someone's words took life, we would all have stories, wouldn't we? Our words that we speak every day how interesting, I've been thinking a lot lately with my brother about, you know, when he couldn't talk. Like, what does it mean to not be able to speak? And how, how much we take that for granted. Our words have the power of life and of death. They create new realities. So I want to do a little case study. You okay with that? Um, if, you've ever, if you were ever at Solstice long ago... We did, this, uh, we did this once, so um, you all might remember this. But if you have your cell phone, take it out. Take it out of your pocket, if you have a cell phone. And turn it on. Like, turn the, the, the buzzer, blink, dinger, ringer, tweeter, chirper, turn it on. It's okay, friends, you will not be singled out. I will not. All right? Now, here's what I want you to do. Either I'm, either the scriptures are telling something that's true, or they're not, right? This is the challenge every Sunday. Is this truth or is it not? And that's your decision. That's what we wrestle with. What I'd like you to do is I want you to think about someone in your life right now who needs to be encouraged, who needs to just hear a word of encouragement from somebody. And today, friends, it will come out of nowhere. They don't know this is happening they don't know this is coming, well, unless, of course, they're in the room. <laughs> and all of the sudden, what you're about to type will be there. And then, I'll, we'll just continue on, and I want you to pay attention to the dings and the chirps and the tweets and the noises of your words creating and generating life in the world, okay? So think about who that, might, that, who that person is and go ahead and type them and be honest, be vulnerable. Offer your heart to them right now and send it out to them. Go ahead, start typing, tweeting, chirping. And if you didn't bring a phone, I would encourage you to do this like old school style. Send them a letter, you know, write it on a piece of paper, put a stamp on it, send it in the mail. And then we'll just, I'll keep going, but pay attention. And, and, and when you hear the dings and the chirps and the tweets, this is what happens when you choose to use words to bring life into the world and to create new worlds. All right? So send them out. Let them do their work. Uh, words create worlds. This, this rabbi friend of ours, we were studying with him uh, this Friday and Saturday, and we were studying the story of Joseph. 
Joseph is chapter 37 or 39 to chapter 51 of Genesis. And it's so very interesting that this story, this narrative, takes up the majority. It is the single largest narrative of one person in the whole story of Genesis, in the Torah, actually. So it takes up a lot of space. And there's this moment while we were studying where we learn that nowhere in the entire story of Joseph does God speak to him. I mean, all through the scriptures, people have encounters with God. They have these moments where God speaks. Mary, the, you know, the, the angels come to the shepherds, right? All Elijah on the mountain, all kinds of places we find God speaking. Joseph, the single largest narrative in the entire book of, of Genesis, and never once do we have a, an encounter or, or a, a, an articulation of God speaking to Joseph. And I watched somebody in this room while we studied just like someone had opened an entire door or or a door to a whole new world because this person has had a very hard time hearing God and for their most of their adult life has struggled to hear God's voice and often feels guilty like they're doing something wrong like they're not reading their Bible enough or they're not praying enough or they're not doing something enough and so God withholds God's presence or God's voice to that person. And so this person, as Rabbi Allen shares, that in the whole story of Joseph, never once do we hear God speaking to him or having an encounter with him. And yet, there seems to be this this response, this this connection to between Joseph and, and Yahweh, where again and again, Joseph responds in a way that you'd swear he'd been talking to God. And this person just lit up. And a whole new world was created for them. At the end of the study, we talk about, like, what's one thing that you're going to take away from? And this person said, I think Joseph is my new best friend. Because for once, I found somebody in scriptures who feels like I do. I don't hear God. I don't see God. I don't, that doesn't happen to me. And those words spoken by this rabbi created a whole new world for this person. Our words create worlds. Similarly, our words, we need to be people who are encouragers, who come under and lift others up because our words can be generative. Now, if you were to type that into the Microsoft Word, most, most likely it would be spell check because it's kind of an interesting word. But to be generative or to have generativity is this idea that what you do or what you say or who you are, it generates something new. So if you go back to the beginning of the story in the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, what we find about God in the very opening pages of Scripture, the first thing that we know about God is that God, in essence, is a creator, is a generator of new things. And God said, let there be light. God spoke and there was light. The whole story of Genesis 1 and 2 is about God generating new things. Now follow me, friends. If this is who God is and this is what God does, a generative being where new things and life is created, and you 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 and you, we are created in the image of this God, then it would follow that you and I, when we are at our best are generative beings. That's why we say we value generosity. It's not just about your money. It's connected to the very essence of who God is, which you are made in the image of. That's why we say we value creativity. Because God is a creator. He generates new things. And you and I, 
When we choose to use our words in a way that brings life, it generates new things in the world. It has the potential to be a catalyst for something instead of, and you've all been in that situation, where somebody who, and they just have a knack for it, right? The moment they speak, it's like they suck the air out of the room, right? Or they suck the life out of the room, or they take the momentum out of the conversation. And do you know those people? And they're just a drag to be around. Conversely, somebody, when you're around them, it's like you light up and they bring something. What does it mean to follow this Jesus? What does it mean to be an encourager? It means to recognize that your words, our words, are generative. They can be. And this is the dilemma, this is the invitation all along the way throughout the entirety of the scriptures. Here it is, Deuteronomy 28. I set before you life and death. Choose life. Choose. You choose. We choose. You're free moral agents in the world. And you can use your words to kill life, to not bring life, but to bring darkness. Or you can choose to use your words to bring life, to generate new things in the world. It's generative. And it's so funny watching kids, like uh, my kids, they're great case studies for lots of these theological ideas that I have about the Bible. And, and if you've ever been around children, sometimes you'll see them and like it, there'll be this tornado, this like spiral to, of death, you know, where one of them will say something snarky or mean. And then what happens? Like piranhas in the Amazon, they feed off of each other. And then it's just like, wah, wah, and then before you know it, things are being thrown. People are crying. Everybody's like, nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. You remember that? You've been there before. And the opposite is true. When one of them, and how does this happen? How does it happen? How does the spiral, instead of go this way, but go the other way, how does it happen? One of them decides to have the courage to make one move towards life, to say one word that's encouraging instead of discouraging. And what happens? They feed off of each other. And then there's like fairies dancing around our house and there's like dust coming down and everybody's loving each other. It's amazing. And how does it happen? One person who makes a choice to take a step, to have the courage to take a step towards life. And it's not hard. It's simple. It's true. And I think it's true for you and I. In a conversation at an office that's going this way, down the toilet towards, you know. (laughs) It takes one person right? To just take a step towards life and to turn the thing around. Generativity. What happens when our words become generative? Maybe as we close, I would just say this. And I don't have to preach to anybody on this one. I don't have to convince everybody on this one, but life is really hard. And we need each other. I've heard some of your stories. And I've sat and I've listened to you tell them with tears in your eyes about how hard life is. Whether it's a relationship that broke, that fell apart. Whether it was the death of somebody who you loved. Whether it was cancer. Whether it was a job-related situation. I've sat with you and I know that you know 
you've sat with me. Life is hard. And sometimes it's going down the tracks and all of a sudden it takes a left turn and you never see it coming. You and I live in a world where there are free moral agents, both human and divine. I mean, we think height, width, depth, right? It's three-dimensional. And this is all that there is. But the scriptures tell us different story, do they not? Where there are, read the book of Daniel and tell me I'm crazy. But there are, there are all kinds of variables and all kinds of free moral agents who make choices every day. And not all of them are in sync with the hopes and dreams of God for the world. And life is just really, really hard sometimes. And when, we, when, when there's that reality, and then we stack on top of it our words which are pitted against one another, there is not a lot of hope. But when we, those who have said yes to Jesus, who get what the kingdom is, who come under one another and lift each other up instead of standing on each other's heads to get ahead, this is a zero-sum game when you're out for you. When you choose self at the cost of others, it's a zero-sum game. It doesn't generate life. It only takes it. But when we come under, when we serve, when we follow the example of the crucified and risen Jesus, who we follow, guess what happens? The kingdom comes more and more and more and more. Father, our, 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 our Father in heaven, uh, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven was Jesus's prayer. When you and I, to the degree that we say yes to giving life and being people of light, the kingdom of God happens and these rays of light break through our broken and dark world to the degree that we say yes, to the degree that we say our words are going to be life-giving and light-giving and empowering instead of the opposite. And we need each other. You can't do this on your own. If you don't know that yet, it's only a matter of time <laughs> before we all come to the conclusion that I can try and try and try to build it and fix it and move it and do it and at the end of the day, there will be something that stands in my way that I cannot fix, that I cannot heal, that I cannot put back together. We need each other. We're pushing this thing uphill. Now, the hope of the gospel is that something definitive has been declared about the end of this hill and that it will be finished, that there will be a day when all will be made new and all will be made right and everything that God made that was good and beautiful and light will last and everything that isn't won't. That's the hope of the gospel. That's the hope of the story of Jesus. But until then, we live in this transitional period. N.T. Wright calls it the fifth act. Creation, the fall, Israel, Jesus, the church, resurrection, act number six. And we live in this liminal space between resurrection and the kingdom. And we're invited, I don't know why, but we're invited by the God who made the world to participate in the redemption, the restoration, the reclaiming of all that God made good, which will last in God's new kingdom, God's new world. So I say to you, friends, be people of the kingdom. That's what the author of Hebrews is saying. Don't let your hearts become hard. 
whether it, if it's dark, if it's, if it's bad, if it's broken, be a, peop, be a person, be a people who encourage others as the antidote for discouragement. And maybe you're here this morning and you're like, you know what, that's a great idea, Micah, but I have nothing to give. And so let me just say to you this morning as we close, good news, you are loved. Resurrection changes everything. You belong. Before you do anything, before you come to church, before you read your Bible, before you pray, before you work, before you do, before you, before it all, you belong. You are loved. That is the good news of the gospel. So our efforts to try to fix it and move it and pray it and do and do and do, before any of that ever happens, the gospel declares you are loved. Did you know, in the story of creation, I find it fascinating, Adam and Eve's first day. If you remember, they're created at the end of day six. Jewish time begins at sundown, so their first day begins at the end of our day six. What's day seven? Rest. Shabbat. Sabbath. Gift. What does that say about God and about you? Before you do anything, before you say yes to the invitation to tend and care for the good world that God made, before you do any of it, it is all in front of you it is for you, there is enough, it is abundance, it is delight, it is dessert again and again. There is enough for all. That's the first day. So often we, we rest from all the work that we've done. The invitation of the scriptures is to inhabit time differently where we work from all of our rest. Because that's the beginning So if you're here today and you need encouragement, and maybe you've heard other messages. I love the dinging. I love it. Maybe you've heard other messages about church and about God and about religion and about Jesus. That was one of my hopes and dreams for this community, that it would be a place where people are reintroduced to the Jesus of the resurrection. And I think this Jesus says to you today, come to me, all you who are weary, and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My, my, my burden is light. My yoke is easy. There's enough. You are loved. You're welcomed. You belong. Before you pick up, do, say anything. Now for the rest of you, who maybe are, who don't need that word this morning, there's an invitation to us, is there not? to be people of encouragement who come under whatever situation we find ourselves in and speak with our words, words that give life and hope and encouragement. And friends, you don't need a theology degree to do this. You don't need to be a pastor to do this. You can do it. You can do it. I'm fighting back the urge to quote Waterboy. You can do it, Waterboy. <laughs> you can. 
It's not hard. It is not far from you. This is the message of Deuteronomy at the end. Yahweh's saying, it is not far from you. It is in you. It is, you've got what it takes to do this. And partner with God's spirit. What does Paul call the church? Ambassadors of this ministry of reconciliation. You. You represent the kingdom, the, the power under move that we see on the cross. You represent it to the world. So, who's in? Who's ready? Let me pray for us. Josh is going to come and we're going to sing one more song as we close, which only affirms and declares the kind of God that we're talking about here, who takes really, really broken people like me and like you and makes really, really, really beautiful things out of it. So pray with me. God, this morning, it's my desire, my longing, my prayer for, first and foremost, for me, that you would take this broken, arrogant, often a person who misses people, that you would take me and that you would change me. That you would give me the eyes to see. That you would give me ears to hear. That you would soften my heart enough to be able to say yes to the invitation of God that you give to us through Jesus to come and follow me. God, as you do it for me, would you do it for my friends? Would you take our pieces and our scraps and our shreds and would you weave them together to make something absolutely beautiful? Would you take our effort, our small little effort in our small corner of your kingdom and would you plant it deep in the heart of God that it might grow and bear good fruit so that there would be delight that there would be enough. God, would you use our effort, our, our yes, to make new things in the world, to bring hope and light and peace and joy, to remind those who don't yet know that this is where you've come from, that this is who God is, and this is what you're being invited back to. So make us people of encouragement, God. And if we need it to start the journey, would you give it to us today? We pray. As we close, I want to invite you to close your eyes if you aren't already and imagine what I'm reading. Um, science tells us that to the degree that we can image, imagine things, see it in our mind's eyes, the degree to which it changes us. So imagine what John is writing when he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea, no longer any evil, no longer any darkness. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be their God. 
He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying or pain. For the old way of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Friends, as you go today, the invitation is to believe that that's true. That God in Jesus has done something. Resurrection happened. It changes everything. And that God is making all things new and invites you to participate. So, you know what to do. Thanks for coming. Grace and peace. You're no good here. You should be out there. Okay? So, hasta luego. Hasta mañana. See you next time. Find us online at www.awakeningcommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awakening Community or on Twitter at Awakening Community. See you next time.